Lord Jesus, I, I pray, Lord, that you would help us understand. Help us understand. What, what does this mean? What are, what are you trying to warn us of to watch out for? As you're warning the disciples, Lord, to watch out of the leaven of the, the Pharisees and of, of Herod, Lord. Would you teach us? Would you shape us? Would you mold us, Lord? Would you give us eyes to see? Would you give us ears to hear and understand, Lord? Help us not be blind like the Pharisees, where they have the God of the universe standing right before them, and they're demanding signs and more and more signs, and and they refuse to believe. Lord, I pray today, as I open up this scripture, I pray that I would not get in the way of your truth, of what you're trying to communicate, Lord. Help me, help my words be your words, Lord. I humbly uh, ask you for your grace, for your Holy Spirit. Would you move today, Lord? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, as I was studying this scripture, I was, I was racking my brain. You know, the, the last few days, what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us? And uh, it's funny, last night I even had a, had a dream. I had a dream last night, and and it was me, Joel, Josue, and Frank Switzer, Switzer, who's the pastor at Redemption Arcadia, were in my office. And, and all three of them were telling me, Chris, you got to teach the people what the scripture means to them or for them. Like, you know, you got to make it real for their lives. So it's, it's just funny that I had that, that dream last night. And, I, and you know, I was kind of tossing and turning. And I've been really praying a lot to understand kind of what this means for us and and I feel like I got God started answering that prayer on Friday and I've been wrestling with some thoughts and the thing I've been thinking a lot about lately is the headlines right there's been much confusion in the headlines in our in the news headlines all over Facebook right you you can't miss it one of the huge ones that's maybe kind of a little forgotten is the is the Bruce Jenner stuff right uh, where he's he, he's changing his, his sex. Uh, he feels like he's a woman, right? And, and even though truth and empirical evidence, everything about him shows that he's a man, he feels like a woman, right? So he's got to pursue that feeling and, and change his sex, right? And then, you, and then there's another headline uh, a couple weeks ago where you see this, this white woman and and she was putting on, she was faking. She was a leader of the NAACP chapter in her area. She was putting on a, a whole lie how she was black, right? And when she finally gets uh, uh, gets busted, right, everyone comes out, her parents come out, uh, she, she feels like she's black. So she identifies with black, even though everything, truth shows that she's not, right? So we see, uh, again, this, this struggle with confusion, right, and, and truth. And then yesterday, we, or Friday, we saw that uh, gay, uh, gay marriage was legalized across the United States. And I'm not here to, to gash homosexual, bash homosexuals. We should love them. We should pray for them. We should share truth and grace. And this is no way a, a sermon about bashing people, all right? But what we see here is is truth, right, God's truth, and even the truth about our bodies, right, our biology. Empirical evidence shows that that's 
not right. That's not truth. It shouldn't be this way. Right? And so we see this, this conflict over, over truth and feelings, right? Because I, I feel this way, it's got to be right. That's what, that's what our, our culture tells us. If you feel this way, it's got to be right. And so you see this debate happening on Facebook, right, where we're Christians and and some people are going way extreme and being very unloving and, and mean about it. Or I got to get truth out there, right? Don't you guys see truth? And then the opposite end of the spectrum is, no, but, but we feel this way. Don't you see how, how, how this is so right? It's love, and, it's, and it feels good, and it feels right, right? So there's this, there, it's like we're speaking two different languages. One side is speaking the language of feeling, and it feels like this is right, and one side's trying to argue with truth, and, and they don't get each other, right? We don't get each other. There's this disconnect, right? And that's because uh, uh, this confusion is rooted in what's called postmodern thought. If, I don't know if you've ever heard this idea of postmodern thought or, or relativism, right? This, this has been in our culture and it's growing and growing. And what the idea of relativism or postmodern thought is, is that there is no truth, right? There are no absolute truths. That's what relativism says. And it's, it's a philosophy, right? It's a way of seeing the world. It's a way of thinking about the world. And so if there's no truth, you know, one of the things you'll hear is, well, what's true for me is true for me, and what's true for you is true for you. Right? So you need to stop trying to impose your truth on me. And really what they're saying is there are no truth. I can, I can believe whatever I feel is right, and it leaves just an open, you know, open game to do whatever I want. Whatever feels right must be right. right? If, I, if I have these urges, even, though, even if they came when I was from birth, truth says, no, you have to deny those things, right? But relativism, if there's no truth, i got to pursue my feelings. It, whatever makes you happy, that's, that's the highest, you know, that's what's most important, doing what makes you happy, where truth says uh, otherwise, right? So, so you see, you know, with Bruce Jenner, I'm, I'm chasing my feelings. The white woman, I'm chasing my feelings. You know, even the homosexuality, it feels right. We, this must be right. So, so the way the Bible would, would describe this is spiritual blindness. And I think that's what the Scripture here is dealing with, with the Pharisees, is spiritual blindness. Let me, uh, I want to read you 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. It says here, The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ right? Satan wants people blind. He does not want them to see truth, right? He wants to attack truth so that you'll do whatever you feel is, is right. Whatever feels good, do it and create confusion, right? Create confusion. And that's exactly what Satan's strategy is, right? Satan's strategy from the beginning, from the Garden of Eden, is to get, get, even, get us, and it started with Eve, to doubt God and depend on ourselves. Doubt God, depend on yourselves. So she said, hey, did God really say? You won't die, Eve. You can be like God. Depend on yourself, right? So Satan wants you to doubt God and his truth, right? God doesn't love you. 
right? There is no truth. Man, that's just old and outdated stuff. That was written for another culture. You know, that doesn't apply today, right? That's what Satan wants you to believe. There's no truth. There's no truth. Have fun now. Figure out God later, right? And then depend on yourself. Do it your way, and that's what pride is all about. Pride is is the root sin under every sin. Pride says, I'm going to do it my own way, right? I'm going to do it my own way. And so one of the things that, that bothers me uh, about the whole uh, is when people celebrate pride. Pride is never a thing to be celebrated, whether it's gay pride or brown pride or white pride, whatever pride you have, it's never something to celebrate. When you celebrate pride, you're celebrating opposition to God, right? It's not a thing to celebrate. So Satan wants you to, to try to depend on yourself. Do it your own way. Demand God on your own terms. Right? And it's just rebellion. It's blindness. And so I think that's what Jesus is warning us of today. Right? The, the warning he gives to, the, to the, the disciples is watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. And, so I, and I, so I believe what he's talking about is spiritual blindness. And so let's look at it. And I want to show you that's what it says. That this is not just what I'm what I'm believing, that this is what the Scripture says. And, and the cool thing about this, 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 scripture, this little section of Scripture we're doing is it really is a two-part section. Next week, he's going to be dealing with the same thing, just taking it a little further. So you've so you got to hear the second part of this, all right? So here's what happens. Verse 11, right? We see the Pharisees coming out demanding a sign. They're coming out to oppose Jesus. They're coming out to argue with Jesus because they do not believe he is the Messiah. They don't believe that he is the promised one of God. And so when they demand a sign, they're not coming out humbly to to learn from him, to to reason with him from the scriptures. They're coming out to, to disprove him, right, to stand against him, prideful stand against him. They have in their minds made up that he is not the Christ. And if you don't know what the Messiah is, this is important to understand. The, the Messiah is the promised Savior from God, right? The Messiah, the Christ. This is, uh, in, in Genesis chapter 3, we get the first promise of, of a future Savior that would come. In Genesis 3, man rebels against God. Sin comes into this world, and, and God promises Adam and Eve that one day the seed of a woman would come and crush the head of the snake, speaking of Satan, right? One day there'll be this, this Savior that comes, and, and the rest of the Old Testament is talking about that Savior who's going to come. The Jews knew that there would one day be this Messiah, this Savior, this promised one that would, would come and redeem and restore the world, that would bring salvation, right? And it's, and it's similar to movies, if you've ever seen like a movie like The Matrix, where they got Neo, the promised one. There's a lot of movies with the promised one that's to come, right? And those are just stealing from, from God's true story, right? They're just borrowing that idea from, from God's true story. And so they don't believe he's the Messiah. They don't believe he's the Christ. And they want a sign. But the problem is they're spiritually blind, right? Jesus has done all these amazing signs. He's done all these amazing miracles, right? 
healing people, loving people, opening you know, blind people's eyes, and, and deaf people can hear, and, and people that are paralyzed are getting up and walking. He's calming the wind and the waves, and he's doing all these amazing things. He's, he's fulfilling all these prophecies, and they still refuse to believe. They, they're spiritually blind. They're hard-hearted. And so nothing, no miracle that Jesus could do is going to convince them, right? So Jesus is frustrated, says he die, sighs deeply, right, in his spirit, and he gives them no sign, and he leaves, right? And, and he doesn't give them a sign because I think they're asking for the wrong thing. What they're really asking for is him to prove that he's the Messiah by starting to act like the Messiah they expected, all right? They want him to conform to their expectations of what the Messiah would be like, and then I'll believe, right? Start acting like the one we think you're, uh, how we think you're supposed to act, and then we'll believe in you, right? That's what they're really saying. So instead of worshiping the one true God, they're creating an ideal God, right? Their own ideal Messiah that would fulfill their desires, their dreams, and their expectations, which is a, a very, uh, it should be a warning to us, right? That's, that's what we want to do, is to create an ideal God that will fill our dreams, our desires, and our expectations. They want God to get in line with their beliefs. They want God on their own terms, right? And so I made a list of, of what their terms might look like. Here's what their terms might look like. Jesus, stop breaking all of our rules. It's, it's just so frustrating. It's, it's embarrassing. You're embarrassing yourself, right? Jesus, you know, clean up your act. You need to be a little more holy. You need to be a little more like us. You need to start doing our, all our rituals and, and all of our, our, our cleansings and our ceremonies, Jesus. Jesus, come on, man. What are you thinking? Helping people on the Sabbath? What are you thinking? How could you do that? How could you break the Sabbath? Right? Stop hanging out with all them dirty tax collectors and sinners. What are you doing hanging out with them? You're hanging out with the wrong people. You're wasting your time. Right? How could you let a, a prostitute wash your, wash your feet with her hair and her tears and, and anoint you with perfume? That's disgusting, Jesus. How could you do that? Right? That's what they're saying to Jesus. Stop helping those Gentiles right? They're God's enemies. Don't you realize that? If you were the Messiah, you would realize that they're God's enemies. You're supposed to, to destroy them, subjugate them, not help them, right? Stop it, Jesus. Stop it, is what they would say. And no, here's what you need to start doing, Jesus. The Messiah is supposed to lead a revolution, right? You're supposed to come and, and be the king of the Jews and, and be on the throne. You're supposed to overthrow Rome, you're supposed to subjugate these Gentiles, right? They're going to serve us. That's what they really want. That's the sign they really want, right? So it's not humble. It's not, let's figure out who you are, Jesus. Are you really who you say you are? No, it's, it's get in line with us, Jesus. And Jesus won't give them that because that's not who he is and that's not what his kingdom is about. So now we find them as they leave. Now they're in, a, in a, the boat, right? Jesus is always crisscrossing the, the sea in the boat. Uh, and, and Jesus gives them this parable, this warning, right? 
And it's a double warning, right? He says, be careful. Watch out, right? He, you better pay attention here. Right? Watch out for the, the, the yeast of the, the Pharisees and of Herod. And, and to understand it, you have to know what yeast is, right? Yeast in, in, uh, in these days was a symbol of evil. Yeast was a symbol of evil, and it was a good symbol because yeast infections would cause uh, a decay, right? It was a sign of decay. And what yeast does is when you put yeast in bread, right, when you, when you bake the bread, it, it shapes the bread in its own image, right? If you don't put yeast in it, the bread's not going to rise up, but the yeast shapes the bread. It, it causes it to rise, right? And, and so what he's trying to say is watch out. Watch out that this spiritual blindness of the Pharisees would, would shape you into their own image. Watch out that you would be corrupted by, by the, the spiritual blindness of the Pharisees. Right? Watch out. Watch out for the spiritual blindness. That's the thing that they all have in common. Right? The, the Pharisees still, or the disciples still don't get it. And we see that they don't get it. Right? Because when Jesus gives this parable, they begin kind of talking among themselves. Oh, man, what's wrong? Is, is Jesus mad because we didn't bring uh, enough bread or something? Or uh, I can imagine them saying, oh, what's wrong, with, what's wrong with the Pharisees and Herod's bread? Has it got mold on it? Or is it too high carb of bread? Or is it not gluten-free or something? Right? They're, they're worried about the bread. They still think it's about the bread. They're spiritually blind. They don't get it. Jesus doesn't want them to be conformed to, to their expectations of what the Messiah is. Because next week, he's about to hit them with what the Messiah is going to do. He's going to hit them next week with, with the cross and resurrection and tell them about his true mission, and, and they're going to see who he truly is. So, so you see, they're just still in a point of blindness, and, and God's going to heal them of this, which we'll see next week. So... After this, they're still uh, blind and have no faith. And uh, I got notifications coming up on my iPad here. <laughs> I don't know. All right. So uh, Jesus, aware of this discussion, he, he launches this barrage of questions, right? He, gives it, he asks them seven questions because he's pleading with them. He's, he's trying to help them see their blindness, right? And he quotes, in the midst of that, he, he quotes Jeremiah 5.21, which Jeremiah 5.21 says, Hear this, O foolish and senseless people, who have eyes but see not, who have ears but hear not. Right? This is, spiritual blindness is the, is the scariest type of blindness because you can still have eyes and ears and still not understand, right? Still not be able to see Jesus for who he truly is and understand his truth. It's dangerous. It's scary. So I want to, I got some things that I want to warn us of. Some things that are applicable for today. Things that we should watch out. Things that we should be aware of. Because this, this blindness, this warning to the disciples is a, is a warning to us. Right? Jesus didn't pick the 12 dumbest guys on the earth. Right? These guys were a, a random sample of humanity. These were normal people, average, everyday people just like us. 
And so they, they weren't blind just because they were dumb, right? And their spiritual blindness shows what the Bible says elsewhere. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit, right? No one can be cured of their spiritual blindness unless God heals them of it, right? God's the one that's got to give us eyes to see and ears to hear. God's got to cure this spiritual blindness, right? And so we need divine intervention, right? And so what, what you got to realize is just because you grow up in a, in a Christian family or a, a, a church or, or trying to do good religious things doesn't mean you're not spiritual blind, you're not spiritually blind or, or that you have faith, right? The disciples who are so close, they're with Jesus every day, still need to be cured of their spiritual blindness, right? So, so the fact that they're, they're, they're still blind should make us cry out to God, right? It should be a warning to us to not just, just, just settle in and think we're okay, right? We need to continue to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. We need to continue to cry out to God to, to give us eyes to see and ears to hear. and Give me understanding, Lord. Give me your grace. Don't just think you're okay, right? The Bible calls us to examine ourselves, test ourselves to see if we're in the faith. And so I want you to beware of spiritual blindness. And there's three types of spiritual blindness that I, I've been thinking about. The first one is a, is a general spiritual blindness. And this is just the average everyday Joe that doesn't know God, doesn't believe in God. They're just kind of living their life. They're not concerned about the things of God. They're, they're just kind of going their own way, right? I mean, they're spiritually blind. But I, I think the spiritual blindness that Jesus is warning of here is an even more dangerous spiritual blindness because it's a, a religious type of spiritual blindness, right? The average Joe that's not following God, nah, they're not concerned with God. But the religious spiritual blindness is someone who is blind, but they think they're not, right? They, they're not saved by God. They haven't received God's grace, but they think they already have. And that's what the, the, Pharisee, the Pharisees are experiencing, right? They think, oh, I'm, I'm a pretty good person, man. Outwardly, I, man, look at how good I look outwardly. I do all these good things. I, I do all these religious things. I give a lot of money. I, I'm at church every week, right? And yet Jesus is showing us that they're blind. That's the scariest thing to be, right? So don't, don't, don't fall into that. And so many people who are in this, this kind of religious, spiritually blindness, it, 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 it's not even, it doesn't even have to be really super religious people, right? Most people, most in America, uh, I looked up in the last percentage, is about 83% of Americans call themselves Christians. Are 83% of people really saved and living for Jesus and worshiping him and, and living obedient lives, transformed lives? No, Right? They, they, they live under this religious blindness where they think, oh, because I'm a good person, after I die, then, then God will let me into heaven. Right? That's kind of the general idea of our, of our culture, of the world we live in. And, and many of them treat God like a divine vending machine. Right? I do a little good thing. I put a, put a dollar in, and I expect to get my yummy treat back from God. 
right? So I do good things. I expect good things back from God. That's how, that's most American Christianity, right? I do good things. I, I, I say positive things. I use positive confession or, or I have positive faith. And God's supposed to give me good things and blessings and health and wealth and prosperity. And that's, that's where, and it's, I mean, it's a form of spiritual blindness, right? That's not, that's not Christianity. That's wanting God on your own terms. That's what the Pharisees were, right? They want God on their own terms. I do good things. Now God's supposed to do what I want him to do. So we need to beware of that. And, and so just like them, right, we need to beware of instead of worshiping the one true God, creating an ideal God that we form to, to meet our desires, our dreams, our expectations. That's what we do when we're doing the whole religious spiritual blindness, right? God's supposed to do what I expect him to do. And I begin demanding things from God. And I become angry at God when he doesn't give them and, and frustrated and, and depressed because I, I feel like I deserve these things because of all the good things I do. Right? And that's not Christianity. That's, that's lies. That's lies. So the third type of, of blindness is a, what I would call a, a Christian spiritual blindness. And so some Christians operate in a, in a type of functional blindness, right? So these are people that have, are genuinely saved, that, like God's given them new hearts. He's given them the grace. They've, they've put their faith in Jesus. They've trusted him as their Lord and Savior, right? They're, they're, they're sealed with the Holy Spirit. But there's many Christians that function in blindness because they don't renew their mind daily, with God's truth, right? So the lies of the world and, and the lies of Satan are, are overtaking them, and they're living in lies, right? They, they don't submit themselves to God's truth daily and read it and study it. And what does this mean for me, right? As Christians, we God a lot for his truth lately. Like, God, thank you for your truth. Thank you that you, for your grace, right? It's moved me to gratitude for his truth that that, that we can see clearly the world for what it is. We can see Satan's lies. And we can grasp your truth, Lord, and, and the hope that we have in you, even in the midst of this broken world. So some people confess Jesus, but they don't, they don't live like it because they're operating in functional blindness, right? And so we need to watch out. For the yeast of the world. This is uh, my fourth warning is watch out for the yeast of the world. And it ties right into that Christian spiritual blindness. Watch out for this spiritual blindness because it will spread into your own life, your whole life, and you will begin to be shaped by the world, right? By the world's lies, by Satan's lies. It will corrupt you from the inside out. And, and so Scripture is warned of this, right? How we need to watch out for the spiritual blindness, the yeast of the world. 2 Timothy 4.3 says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off 
into myths, right? This is a warning for us, right? Don't be shaped by the world. Don't, don't run from sound teaching. Don't run from truth. Don't turn to myths. Don't chase your feelings. Your feelings should always be submitted to, to truth, right? Truth should guide and lead your feelings. And in, in, in particular, God's truth, right? His, his scripture. So Romans 1.22 says this, claiming to be wise, speaking of mankind, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Right? This talks about the, the human condition that we, we've exchanged we, we claim to be wise, right? We know the truth. We know what's right. We're, we're more progressive than those Christians. But claiming to be wise, they became fools, right? And exchanged glory of God for, for idols, basically. The, the Romans goes on to say that, we exchange, that mankind has exchanged the truth of God for a lies. That's what's going on in our, our culture. So instead... We need to renew our mind. That's so important. We have to be renewing our mind uh, so that we are not corrupted by the yeast of our culture. We have to renew our minds to be conformed to the image of God. So Romans 12.2 says, and we, we read this often, do not be conformed to this world. Right? Don't be shaped by the yeast of this world into, into what the world tells you you should look like. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, right? We need to be transformed by renewing our minds, and, and our, 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 who we are is shaped by, by God's truth, right? Renewing our mind daily. It says that by testing, you may discern what the will of God is, will of God, what is good and acceptable and per- perfect. So in order not to be shaped by the world, we need to be shaped by God and His truth. And so it's so important for us to, to be memorizing Scripture, meditating on Scripture. I, I know it sounds like, oh, they always say the same old thing. Read your Bible and pray. But we say it because that's what God says. Right? Those are the things we need. God makes the, the Christian life simple. Right? It's not complicated. It's costly. Right? It means dying to yourself. It means... Man, I, I want to do that thing that's more entertaining, but God, I, I, need, to be re, I need to have my, my mind renewed so I can know your will, what you want from me, so I can be shaped by you. And ultimately, we find true joy in God's scriptures, right? Because those things will never satisfy. But we find joy and, and peace and hope in and, and God in the midst of a broken world. So we need to be re, re, renewing our mind. God's truth is a blessing. The scripture says that his truth will set you free. Right? It's freedom. And uh, right? it's a life of blessing and not confusion. And Ephesians 4.14 says this. Right, right? So that we may no longer. Right? It's talking about truth in the scripture. How we need to cling to truth. So that we may no longer be children. Tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, 
by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Right? We need God's truth. We need a renewed mind so that we're not blown left and right by the culture. Right? Because our culture says whatever the majority believes, that's the new truth. Right? And a couple years from now, they're going to have a new truth. And a new truth, and we're going to be blown left and right and be spiritually blind and miss Christ. Or we can stand firm in the midst, right, with a renewed mind. We can glorify God in the midst of this broken world. And this whole, the whole gay marriage thing, it's it's good, it's good news, and it's bad news for the church. It's bad news because it's probably going to, lead to some uh, persecution, possibly. I don't, I, I don't anticipate people chopping our heads off and killing us, but they're going to see us as, as bigots, right, as close-minded, as, you know, people that just cling to the Bible as a crutch. They're going to see us that way, and we're going to be criticized. We might be ridiculed, right, but it's going to give us also, it's good news because that's when the church shines. Right And persecution and suffering and hardship is when the church really shines. And, and, and we get an opportunity in the darkness to shine the light of Christ brightly. To show the love of Christ. To share truth in grace. Right To be a counterculture. And that's what God wants us to do, right? That's what this is all for. So we can glorify Him. Right? So we can love, love Him and, and love others. So, so I, 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 didn't, I want you to examine your heart and ask yourself, you know, am I spiritually blind? That's something you should ask yourself. Don't, don't leave without examining your heart. Right? Ask yourself, do I, do I worship Jesus for who he is? Do I love him? Do I obey him? Do I want to know him more? Ask yourself, am I, am I creating an ideal God? Right? Am I creating an ideal God to, to give me my idols? Right? Is that what I'm doing? Am I like the Pharisees demanding from God, God on my own terms? I want you to ask yourself, are you being shaped by God's truth or the world? Right? What's shaping you? And, and, uh, and I, I just want you to examine yourself and and even, you know, if, you're, if God's moving in your heart, you know, talk to someone. Ask someone to pray for you. You know, if, if, if you don't get this, uh, I'd encourage you to really ask God to give you eyes to see and ears to hear. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you, by your spirit, Lord, would, would give us a longing for your truth to know you more to obey you more, to stand firm in the midst uh, of, a, of a broken world, Lord, to have our, our feet firmly rooted in, in you and your truth and your love and the hope that we have in you. Help us display your glory. Just pray your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name.